Welcome to AZ Politicast. I'm Steve Goldstein. From asking the tough questions as a journalist, tough enough that Senator John McCain had her removed from the Straight Talk Express, to leading Arizona's push for a renewable energy standard as chair of the Corporation Commission, to her current role as Attorney General, Chris Mays has made an impact in her home state. As my guest on this edition of AZ Politicast, Mays gives her perspectives on abortion and immigration, and whether there's enough political common ground for the state's most powerful people and groups to come together on solving the state's water challenges. Our conversation started with the Attorney General's perspective on how her office is addressing the issue of abortion and the earth-shaking effect of the Supreme Court's decision in the Dobbs case. We spoke while I was on the road and prior to the announcement of an effort to put a pro-choice measure on Arizona's 2024 ballot. Everything changed uh, when Dobbs came down during the campaign, and it, it, it became clear from that day on, Steve, that this was this was going to be the central issue of the campaign. Uh, women and a lot of men in Arizona were outraged by the decision of, of the Supreme Court to overturn 50 years of precedent and essentially uh, rob women of a fundamental right that they had had, many of them their entire lives, many of them had fought so hard to um, to obtain this fundamental right to control their own bodies. And so, you know, yeah, I knew I knew it was going to be also a big issue uh, if and, uh, you know, when we won. Um, and we did, as you know, not by a landslide. They'll probably never call me landslide maze, but we did win that election. And it has been a, a central issue of my administration. We immediately overturned the uh, my predecessor's uh, position on the 1864 ban on abortion. And we have followed through um, in, in that litigation to essentially get that, uh, we prevent the implementation of that law. Um, and there's so many other uh, abortion-related issues, including fighting for mifepristone medication abortion, which we have managed to preserve uh, that and the legality of that medication in Arizona as well. One of the things that's so fascinating to me is just that you've been in the private and the public sector. Yeah. So if, if you can offer it maybe from two perspectives, if there are two perspectives on this, when something has been precedent for 50 years and when all polls and most anecdotal evidence indicates that that has been earned and it is an important right for women to control their own reproductive care, is it frustrating, though, because you've had to be a politician as well in this sense, not just an elected official, that an issue like this is coming down in so many ways to not really the facts about the procedure or freedom or how a majority of Americans feel about it, so much of it for those of us who are cynics, it's about feeding the base, it's about raising money, it's not about the actual issue or how it affects people's lives. Yeah, I think it, it is frustrating to see that because I, as you said, I we we all know uh, that the the majority of Arizonans and frankly, uh, for that matter, Americans do believe that women should have the right to choose and should have bodily autonomy and and you know uh, just as many you know Republicans uh, really. Um, believe that. I think we saw that in the results of my election, the election of the current governor, Governor Hobbs. And, you know, it was clear that people understood the stakes of this 2022 election. 
not only for our democracy, democracy obviously was on the ballot. Um, we had election deniers up and down the ballot, but also in terms of abortion. And we, so yeah, it's, it, it is frustrating because, you know, the people agree generally on this issue. Now, obviously there's disagreements about, you know, things like viability and should there be a, a, a you know, a limit, um, should, you know, how far do you go with, with, um, you know, abortion rights, but fundamentally people believe that this is a matter that government really shouldn't be involved in. And, um, so it, it, it is a little bit frustrating from that standpoint, you know, but, you know, here we are and, and, and I'm, I have pledged as attorney general to, fight for this fundamental right um, to make sure that uh, there are no more incursions on issues and that going forward as these court cases wind their way through the system that the that a woman's right to choose is is protected and so we've got a number of ongoing court cases right now in Arizona and um, and at the federal level as well. Most of your attention obviously has to be paid to Arizona, but the U.S. Supreme Court has given you a lot of food for thought, a lot of fodder of late. Um, any any surprises to this? I know we have a basically a 6-3 conservative versus liberal faction. Are you expecting this court to be one that your office ends up disagreeing with a lot? It sure is looking that way. I mean, and I, I have been surprised at how willing this Supreme Court has been to completely chuck uh, um, stare decisis overboard. Um, and you saw that certainly with Dobbs, but, um, you've also seen, I think the extreme nature, the extreme rightward lurch of the Supreme court in the 303 creative decision. Um, and, you know, that one is one that I, that I have said was, uh, totally inappropriate, very misguided. And, and I think, you know, we're going to continue to uphold Arizona's uh, Civil Rights Act um, and our uh, public accommodation uh, laws protecting against sex-based discrimination. And, um, you know, we're, we'll see where all of that, that goes. But, um, you know, I've been surprised. I mean, it, this is a this is a Supreme Court that really uh, doesn't seem to believe in stare decisis anymore, doesn't seem to believe in precedent anymore, and is very much um, one that seems to be willing to legislate from the bench. They used to complain about uh, progressive Supreme Court uh, uh, sessions and Supreme Courts being, you know, sort of judicial activists. I don't know what else to call this uh, of late, uh, what's been going on at the Supreme Court, except extreme uh, judicial activism on the right. Let's come back to a couple of major Arizona issues. You've taken uh, strong action when it comes to protecting Arizona's water. I presume there are going to be some immigration things your office is going to have to handle at some point, if not already handling them. When it comes down to, to what your office can do, do you feel like your office is able to 
act within the confines of what you want to do as far as your leadership goes? Or are you going to step over certain bounds and you're going to have to have some battles are coming up? You know, I, I feel as though we we are. I, I, I feel like we're off to a really fast and, and strong uh, start. You know, we I would love to have, um, you know, more support for our office at the legislature. And I wish that um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to reaching out to legislators more and, and talking to them about this office. And, you know, one of the issues that 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 we are um, very active in here at the attorney general's office is fighting uh, the drug cartels and fighting the fentanyl crisis that we do have in this state and in this crisis in, in this country. Um, in, in my office, the attorney general's office has a small but mighty drug unit that is responsible for major drug prosecutions of increasingly mostly fentanyl, um, also cocaine, methamphetamine. But this is a crisis, Steve. This is an absolute crisis. Kids and fa family members are dying Family members are being deeply impacted by the fentanyl um, scourge, and the federal government is not doing what it needs to do to get a hold of this crisis. We're doing everything we can. We are prosecuting as much of this as we can, but we need the federal government to be putting more technology on the border. We need more money for prosecutors. We need more money for investigators. Um, we can stop this stuff, but we need more help from the federal government. And, and you, know, you know me, I'm, I'm willing to speak truth to power wherever it is, including the Biden administration, um, with whom I, I share a certain letter behind my name. But that doesn't what matters most to me is saving Arizona lives and way too many Arizonans are dying because of this. Chris, the, the border disconnect is a very interesting one, because as you said, you have the the D after your name at this point, and there are people with R's after their name talking about having more border security, et cetera. And both sides talk about that, certainly. Is there a disconnect still between what Washington, whether it's a D or an R in the White House, as far as what the border is like, other than photo ops and, and commercials? It does seem like there's sort of a, yeah, we'll do something about it. And yet when it seems like there are times for R's and D's to come together, there are some who do, and then they're sort of sloughed aside because of certain members of the House or certain members in the White House, whatever it may be. Yeah, I, it is really frustrating to me, and and I know to to you and others because, I, and I also I think the immigration issue gets conflated with the, the you know fentanyl issue and fighting the fentanyl issue. I mean, the, these are two really frankly separate issues. Um, the immigration issue needs to be resolved and needs to be solved. We need comprehensive immigration reform. If we had passed John McCain's comprehensive immigration reform back in the 2000s, we would be uh, much, much better off. But I think we can all get together around this notion that we have to stop the fentanyl that's pouring into this country. Um, we have millions of pills of fentanyl that, that are pouring into Arizona. We are interdicting and stopping as much of it as we possibly can uh, here through the Attorney General's office and the DEA and the Phoenix Police Department and other police departments. But fundamentally, we need more resources and we can do that. Republicans and Democrats and independent families are all being impacted by this. And members of Congress and the White House should be able 
to come together around the money that needs to be spent on it and the technology that needs to be spent on it. How hard is this when it does seem like everyone recognizes the problem and just it doesn't seem to improve, at least over the past several decades? Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. What, but but I, do, I do think in speaking with the agents who address this um, and law enforcement uh, officials, that there are things that we could be doing that we're not doing. So number one, you know, out of out of my office, I could triple or quadruple our drug unit and and the prosecutors and the agents who are uh, stopping this drug on the street. Um, and and we could easily do that and keep them busy um, every single day of the week. Number two. Um, there's technology that's available that we could be putting down at the border that we are not utilizing and we have and it's expensive technology that the federal government needs to bring to our ports of entry to to interdict and stop fentanyl it's it's it, it the problem is so much of it is pouring through the border um and through the ports of entry that you know it's um you know, it's just difficult. It's difficult to, to stop all of it um, with the amount of resources we have. And then the third thing I think, Steve, that is different about fentanyl from cocaine and meth um, and other drugs uh, is that it is so deadly and it's coming in in the form of pills that are now so cheap, which, um, you know, is, is, is really makes it widely available and then it's also so powerful. And that's so different from, from cocaine, from meth, certainly from marijuana. Um, and and it's so, so, so much of it is coming across and it's so lethal and so deadly. You know, these drug cartels are mixing this stuff, um, some of which is coming into Mexico from China and they're mixing it in cement mixer and pumping out these pills that you know, God knows what's in them, but many of them are um, are of lethal dosages, and then selling it on the, bringing it into the United States and selling it on the streets, and that's what's killing our kids. And so that's why I'm so serious about this, um, and and you know, we've just all got to come together around it. You talked about speaking truth to power, and I, you know, I always go back to one of your legendary stories about. The late Senator McCain, and you know, I'm going to say you got kicked off the Straight Talk Express, which <laughs> there's certain irony to it because you you were a straight talker so much yourself. Is there a juxtaposition there of you being this person who just didn't take any SHIT and then <laughs> moving into the realm of of politics? Because in some cases, it feels like you know what they say about politicians; they don't tell the truth. I mean, not all of them, of course, but <laughs> um, but then as a as a reporter, you were always looking for the truth. How is that in your successful years as a statewide elected official with the Corporation Commission, now with the Attorney General. How have you uh, reconciled that in whatever way you have? You know, I I always say that, um, you know, the best job I had, at least in preparation to life, public life, and, and, and this now this incredible job that I'm so honored to have as Attorney General, is my, my background as a reporter. I mean, I I think the key to being a successful uh, politician slash government official is the ability to ask tough tough questions, and most importantly, to ask tough 
follow-up questions. I mean, I think the key to, personally, I think the key to life is the follow-up question. <laughs> um, and so that is, I think, if there's one thing that I, th that I think, uh, you know, has helped me in my life here at the AG's office and before that at the Corporation Commission, it's the ability to ask tough questions and and to um, to read and to be critical and to ask questions and to not stop until you find the truth. And for me, that's what's so intellectually interesting about being um, in government, about being an elected official. And that's what drives me is is the ability to um, ask tough questions on behalf of the people of Arizona and to then fashion, um, you know, my actions as attorney general um, and before that as a corporation commissioner um, based on the answers that I get. And when I was on the corporation commission, those answers were coming and the questions were going to, to powerful utilities. Here it's questions that we're holding accountable every day and the drug cartels that we're holding accountable and um, environmental polluters that we're holding accountable. It's all the same thing. Um, and, uh, and, and at the end of the day, I'm just really lucky that I get to go to work every day and, and, and uh, serve on, on behalf of the people of Arizona. Well, I was excited when you announced you're running for attorney general. And then there's another part of me that was thinking, oh my God, and that temporary job was a pundit. You were so good at it. I, I knew I was gonna miss you, not do that. I miss I miss that job too, but uh, well, well, you're good. you're good at that too. That's you're you're way ahead of a lot of us. You're good at a lot of things. One final thing is you've won uh, office as an R and a D, yeah. and so I wonder how much you how much weight you put in. I mean, clearly we know there are some who can only be Ds and some who can only be Rs, but this is a state that is you know we were sort of a pioneer in the number of independent voters we had, and that seems to be growing that momentum. What do you make of, of actual, in terms of actual problem solving, how much it matters whether you've got the R or the D after your name? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's certainly, I mean, as you know, we've talked a lot about, about, about what's happened to the Republican Party. Um, and it makes me heart sick, honestly, to see my former party uh, go the direction that it is. And I and I still hold out hope that it will pull itself out of its death spiral um, but I'm not so sure, and I'm, I'm not so sure that they've actually hit rock bottom yet. Um, but we do need a functioning, at least two party system in this country, uh, for our democracy to, to remain healthy. Um, and you know, whether it was when I was, when I had an R behind my name or have a D behind my name, my focus has always been the same and that's you know what can i get done for the people of arizona what you know how do we solve problems we know what the problems are what concrete steps can we take to to solve those problems whether it's protecting our water supplies solving the fentanyl crisis you know protecting consumers uh, prosecuting elder abuse and protecting our our elderly population um you know, what are the solutions and what concrete steps can I take to get that done? And for, for me, that's the only reason. If you don't want to do that, then there's no reason to run for office. And um, it's really, you know, hard. Running for office is hard. 
and campaigning is hard and it's arduous and it's now a very, very lengthy process. And I'm just very fortunate to be here, obviously, by 280 votes. And now that I'm here, I, I work every single day knowing that I have a, a finite amount of time in office to get something done. Arizona Attorney General Chris Mays. Chris, always my pleasure to talk with you. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. You too. Thanks again to Arizona's Attorney General Chris Mays for being my guest on AZ Politicast. To listen to previous episodes, please search AZ Politicast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'd encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review. To make guest or topic suggestions, send an email to azpoliticast at gmail.com. Music for this podcast is from Epidemic Sound. I'm Steve Goldstein. Thanks for listening to AZ Politicast.